here's a tip for you if you or your child has a sliver in your finger that just won't come out take a piece of banana skin tape it over that sliver maybe while you sleep take the peel off the sliver will either be almost completely out or embedded in the banana skin itself now i love these type of hacks but i never really gave much thought to hacks that you can use for a sudden onset of anxiety or depression these are called biohacks where we actually affect change in our own biology for instance there's a very important nerve sometimes called the soul nerve that we can actually manipulate to change our mood almost immediately we know how important sleep is to our mood but how can you actually start getting ready for a good night's sleep as soon as you wake up and how a simple twist of a certain finger can change your mood mental health biohacks right now on the mental health podcast Let's get right into our first mental health hack, the nap. I love me a good nap, and so does my mental health, apparently. Most days, I try to steal away to somewhere quiet in the early afternoon to fall asleep for just 20 to 30 minutes. At first, I admit it was tough to simply allow myself to doze off, but now it's routine. The nap, it turns out, is one of the best things you can do for your mental health. No pills, no meditation needed. A nap has been scientifically proven to lift your mood and provide some relief for depression and anxiety. Poor sleep has a, has a, a direct connection, in fact, to our mood. Sleep helps our brains work properly. In fact, while we doze, our brains are doing anything but. They're busy. Busy getting ready for what's next when we wake up, forming new pathways to help learn and process information. Research proves sleep deficiency increases negative moods and decreases positive moods. But you already know this, don't you? Staying up late, insomnia, waking up several times a night, waking up groggy. We know how a bad night's sleep affects us the next day. Alana McGinn is a sleep expert. She created the goodnightsleepnight.com, hosts the podcast This Girl Loves Sleep, and is the author of This Baby Loves Sleep. And she actually offers courses on sleep. You teach people to sleep, Alana. I do. I do. All ages, babies to adults to major corporations. This is something I think we are, that's the holy grail that so many people are searching for is a good night's sleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned naps. Naps is a great way to kind of, um, you know, get that rest in while you can throughout the day. Um, resting in itself is a great form of um, relief and and can combat some if you know, if you're struggling with mental health at the time, um, it's important to incorporate rest into our day and napping is, is one way of doing that for sure. Now, I promise sometime soon we're going to have you on for a full episode. But for right now, we're looking for simple hacks from all of our experts. And you tell me that you want to give a hack for morning, one for afternoon, one for evening. And that's intriguing. So let's start with morning. Okay. So how we wake up in the morning is probably more important than how we go to bed to help us sleep better. And a lot of us think when we're focusing on our sleep, obviously we're focusing on the bedtime routine and what we're doing in the evening and throughout the night, but how we start our day 
um, really kind of sets the pace for how well or not well we're going to fall asleep at night. So my one hack for the morning is to stay away from hitting that snooze button. And I know no. that it's so difficult to do. I Listen, no. I'm guilty of it as well, Kevin. Like, I know how hard that is to do. But here's what happens when we're hitting that snooze button. When we are waking up initially when the alarm goes off. And then we are hitting that snooze button and forcing ourselves to go back into another cycle of sleep. And then nine minutes later, we're waking ourselves up and going back to sleep and waking ourselves up and continuing on for however many times we hit the button. And let's be honest, we hit the button more than twice. Um, you know, we're forcing ourselves to fall into another cycle of sleep and forcing ourselves to wake up at a point in that cycle of sleep where we are not waking up feeling refreshed. So many, if you think about it, if you think about when you hit that snooze button, you might think to yourself, I actually wake up feeling more foggy and groggy after the initial snooze mm -hmm. button than I did when I first woke up, right? So mm -hmm. um, and that, that groggy or foggy feeling, there's a scientific term for it. It's called sleep inertia. Um, and this, it takes four hours for your body to kind of shake off that sleep inertia, ah. to shake groggy or foggy feeling. So this is what I was, you know, before we started recording, we were talking and I said, how you wake up, if you are feeling exhausted when you wake up, it could be for how you slept throughout the night. Absolutely. But it could also be because of that snooze button. And that's not necessarily a result of the quality or quantity of sleep you got throughout the night. If that okay. makes sense. And, and that's, that's easier said than done because I can <laughs> say to myself right now, you know what? Alana's right. I got to stop hitting that snooze button. Morning comes. No, all bets are off. I'm hitting that darn snooze button. What do you do to wake up? Is it a mindset? Is that all it is? Is a mindset? It's 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 a mindset shift. It's a habit. It's it's listen, it's not easy to break those habits, right? A lot of 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 ways to move our body better, eat better, sleep better, all of those things connect with one another better. A lot of it is lifestyle changes. So something as simple as setting your alarm, but putting it away from your bed. So you actually have to physically get out of bed, turn the alarm off. Um, and again, changing habits, right? Knowing that when the alarm goes off, you are going to actually just turn it off and get out of bed. We have to make uncomfortable changes sometimes to get the results that we want with any aspect of our health and well-being. So I, um, let, let's move on because I, I can understand the morning hack and the night hack, but you say you have an afternoon hack. What what does afternoon have to do with our sleep? Other than the fact I can't wait to get to bed tonight. I know. So listen, so much of what we do throughout the day is going to help us sleep better throughout the night. So from the moment we wake up, we want to build a strong drive for sleep so that it's easier for us to fall asleep and easier, easy for us to stay asleep consistently. So think of your sleep drive as like a gas tank. Whatever we do, uh, whether we've had a good night of sleep or not, we're waking up typically with that tank on empty. So ways to fill that tank throughout the day are, again, waking up at a consistent time, opening up the blinds, letting that sunshine in, moving your body. This is so important. Getting in that daily it doesn't have to be like a marathon, a jog, a hit class, but just going outside for a walk, doing some simple stretching doing some yoga, just moving your body. That is a great way to kind of fill that sleep tank. Another great way to fill that sleep tank is to allow you 
allow your body and mind to work through what you need to work through throughout the day, which is easy to ignore because throughout the day, we have so many distractions that we can just push all those worries and those anxieties and down, 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 down. And then what happens? We get into bed at night, the distractions are gone and those things just flood our brain, right? So allow yourself time throughout the day to work through them, whether that be it's called constructive worry. So whether that be writing it, writing out your worry on a piece of paper, writing out a few solutions to combat that worry so that when you do think about it at three o'clock in the morning and you're going to you're human, you can say to yourself and actually say this out loud in your head. I've thought about this throughout the day. This is not the time to think about it. I will work on that problem again tomorrow. So Give yourself time throughout the day to move your body, get in that sunlight, work out whatever stressors you need to so that you're not doing it in the middle of the night or at bedtime. All right. Well, we've we've heard a lot about different sleep hacks when we talk about evening, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bringing the lights down, not getting on our screens, uh, I don't know, sp- spraying lavender <laughs> around. So what's your hack for the evening? For the evening, I mean, my hack really is is your sleep environment. I mean, that is such a tool that we can utilize to really benefit our sleep health and one that is often overlooked. Our Listen, our bedroom, especially in the past four or five years, right? Many of us are still working from home or working hybrid from home. So our bedroom is becoming that room in which we're doing everything but sleeping well in. We're working in our room, working out in our room, watching TV in our room, the kids' playground, like whatever's happening in that room. Really set up your sleep space for a calming and relaxing sleep sanctuary. You want that instant connection from when you walk in your bedroom door to feel that calmness, feel that relaxation. You don't want any negative associations pulling away from that. So like work files, your computer, the piles and piles of laundry you haven't folded yet. Clear the clutter and really create an amazing sleep sanctuary space. Now, I have a hack and I want to pass this by you. I want you to tell me what's happening. Um, I like if I don't have to wake up at a specific time, especially on a weekend. I like to leave the curtains open, and I and I tend to to wake up with the light. What's happening I there? That. I love that. That's great. I've done the same thing. So I have actually purchased new blinds, and I avoided the blackout blinds because I wanted to allow myself to wake up with that natural light. Natural light is one of the strongest drives to help our 24 hour. We all have a 24 hour biological clock. This clock does not shift. If we go through different time zones, if we're, you know, for shift workers, or if they're th- sleeping against their natural clock, it stays within that 24 hours. And the natural light coming in on the morning is a great way a, to naturally wake up. So right away, we're starting to fill that sleep tank, build that sleep drive. It, re- it suppresses our melatonin. It increases our cortisol, which is our natural stress hormone, which is regular cortisol levels are not a bad thing as we need them. Um, and it just allows our body to wake up in the most natural state. Um, so, yeah, I love that hack. I do the same thing. What about when when we try and use sleep aids? So melatonin, um, even some form of, of of pill that makes us groggy or even alcohol. What are the caveats with that? So if we talk about melatonin, melatonin is our is a natural sleep hormone that we all possess. It's very rare for you to be deficient in melatonin. The issue with melatonin right now is it is so readily available. It is marketed as a sleep aid, as you just said. So many people think of it as like a sleeping pill. 
They think by taking that melatonin, that will make them sleepy. Melatonin just drives our circadian rhythms. It prepares our body to sleep. And the best way to release that melatonin at night is using external environments like the light and the dark of the day. So darkening up this, your space really dark at night and then lightening it up in the morning to suppress it. So I'm not saying melatonin doesn't play a role for some people. For those that travel a lot, going through different time zones, those that are on certain medications, um, it, it can play a role. Um, but I do think that it's being taken um, far too readily for individuals who probably don't need it because you're probably not taking the right dose and it's not being released in your system the way your natural melatonin should be. Um, certain things like alcohol, sure, a glass of wine can knock you out at night. But the problem with alcohol is that as it leaves your body, it's going to cause more fragmented sleep throughout the night. Um, you know, most people who say that they, you know, have done like a dry January or have taken a break off alcohol really notice an improvement in their sleep. Um, so if you're finding that you're kind of, you know, again, I know the joys of having a glass of wine with dinner, like I get it. But if you are looking to improve your sleep and you're noticing that, you know, you're having a glass of wine maybe every night or drink every night, maybe it's time to curb that a little bit and see if you notice a difference in the quality of sleep you're getting throughout the night. Wow. We have so much more to talk about. So will you come back and, I, and sometime soon? Absolutely. I always love chatting with you about this. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, because one thing that I'm hearing more and more and more of is people saying to me, I don't sleep, period. Yeah. And, and and is this becoming a problem? Are we getting worse? I mean, listen, we're definitely a sleep deprived society. There's no question about it. A big part of it is, you know, tech is we're always connected in some way. But listen, we're also in an extremely stressful time in the world. You know what I mean? And that... Stress management is something that I'm putting a lot of focus into right now because it goes hand in hand, for sure. Oh, yeah, we have to talk about that for sure. Thank you yeah. so much for this, uh, for these hacks and uh, for the promise to come back on. Thanks for having me. Alana McGinn, host of the podcast, This Girl Loves Sleep. You can find out more about what she can do for your sleep at goodnightsleepsite.com. Next, we are off to Vegas. No, not that Vegas. I'm talking about your vagus nerve system called V-A-G-U-S. It's the main nervous system of your parasympathetic nervous system, and that is responsible for calming you down, slowing your breathing rates and blood pressure. Now, being the primary system of our natural ability to reduce anxiety and depression, there are quite a few mental health hacks using the vagus nerve to make us feel better. My longtime friend and one of Canada's leading alternative health experts, Bryce Wild, is actually the first person who turned me on to the vagus nerve. Hey, Bryce. Kevin, so great to be with you. And yes, like all roads lead to Rome, many roads lead to Vegas. That's for sure. <laughs> it is. And this kind of vagus uh, system isn't a gamble though tell me a little bit more about the 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 vagus nerve yeah well you know just as you alluded to before we talk vagus uh, the nerve we really have to talk the autonomic nervous system as you described so that controls a system that acts largely unconsciously some even suspect subconsciously 
and it regulates body functions like heart rate and digestion, um, how much we, how many times we breathe, uh, even pupillary response. Yeah, blink, uh, blinking of your eyes, things that yeah, we don't even think of. Bingo. Yeah, you just automatically. So when you think autonomic, you think automatic. So it's part of the peripheral nervous system, and it really it includes these two main components. Uh, one is called sympathetic, and one, as you already described, uh, is parasympathetic. So they're opposition, yin and yang. Um, so the sympathetic nervous system is what we have always known as fight or flight. People are familiar with that concept. It prepares the body for very stressful or emergency situations. So that's when your heart rate increases, uh, your body redirects blood flow to muscles. You're ready to go, right? Releasing stored energy, bang, you're, you can you know act on an impulse. Parasympathetic is known as rest and digest. So that's a system that basically conserves energy, slows down your heart rate, uh, increases things like intestinal um, um, uh, movement. Uh, it relaxes uh, certain muscles in the gastrointestinal tract, which is again why we call it rest and digest. So these two systems work in together, basically in tandem, and they, main, they maintain this internal uh, balance, uh, allowing the body to adapt to changes in the external environment. So. Um, the vagus nerve is this long, wandering cranial nerve. It's, in fact, the longest, and it plays this really important role in controlling all of what we described in the, or in the autonomic nervous system. So heart rate, digestion, even immune response. We'll get into that maybe, and, and mood regulation, the most important thing. So between the fight and flight and rest and digest. So a well, this is really the top line before we get into the weeds. A well-functioning vagus nerve mitigates stress anxiety and it does so by promoting parasympathetic response uh, effectively it helps to maintain this mental emotional and, and to some large degree physical health and the balance so conversely a low vagal tone and i really want to get into this with you versus stimulating the uh, vagus nerve there's a lot of people misunderstand this it's all about vagal tone how do we achieve tone in order to improve our mental health and emotional uh, uh, are, you, you know, are you saying like tone as in you know when you tone your muscles you it's uh, exactly you want it. nice tone in fact that brings me to the next concept so when you have this low vagal tone it's associated with increased risk of stress depression anxiety even physical health issues as i alluded to like you know heart disease and even type 2 diabetes immune dysregulation but but tone is a really important i want to underscore that term that that vernacular because people are misunderstanding stimulate you know it's it's about just as you so 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 good amounts small amounts of actual healthy stress because not all stress is bad is one of those things that might help balance or tone the vagus nerve. So th there's this mm -hmm. concept called hormesis. Have you heard of hormesis? No, no. So hormesis is this biological phenomenon where uh, basically uh, beneficial, good end results um, from exposure to low doses of, of, of a stress that's otherwise toxic or lethal at high doses. So it's this Goldilocks sort of in the middle, perfect amount of stress or, or, or stimulation. So simply put, the concept that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So in this context, small amounts of stress uh, or even um, exercise being one of those stressors can actually be really good for you by promoting the body to adapt 
and become more resilient while too much of course is harmful too little does nothing so this principle um you know including exercises i mentioned where moderate physical exercise strengthens muscles and improves health too much is going to damage your body too little is probably not going to result in anything so there's a lot of hormetic stressors so we don't, we're not talking about too much we're not talking about too little that goldilocks amount of stress to the vagus nerve is what's going to help keep it toned and I find that the way you always explained it to me, and 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 some of the reading I've done since, this is this secret, this 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 uh, magic formula for for better mental health. This vagus nerve is incredible, and we can actually manipulate it ourselves. Yes. Absolutely. So I want to implant this visual concept uh, for folks to really understand this, uh, put it all together. So autonomic nervous system, vagus nerve, big wandering nerve, and the concept of hormesis. So enhancing the body's resilience to stress is what we're talking about. It involves toning the vagus nerves, nerve as opposed to stimulating it. So this is akin um, to comparing our vagus nerve like a, an elastic band. Uh, a new flexible elastic band can stretch and of course whip back into its shape uh, it symbolizes a well-toned vagus nerve that efficiently manages stress through that parasympathetic nervous system so a, faci a facilitation essentially of a, of a really quick return to calm conversely an old brittle or unworked out elastic band that breaks under stress that's like a poorly toned vagus nerve. Have you ever gone into your underwear drawer and reached for a pair of underwear perhaps you haven't worn in maybe years, you just found it at the bottom of your socks and you realize, wow, that elastic band doesn't even work anymore. Yeah, oh, crap. Yeah. yeah, everyone's had that experience. That elastic band, should you have been wearing those underwear, would have remained toned like a vagus nerve remaining toned under stress that perfect amount of stress wrapping around your waist day in and day out keeps it toned when you don't use it you lose it right so coming back to the sort of you know tone cold exposure this is one of the first sort of conversations we had around this years ago and you said there's no way in heck i'm going to join the <laughs> early adopters and jump into a uh, a tub of freezing cold water and guess what you don't have to but brief exposure to cold like taking a cold shower or even splashing cold water on your face is a short immediate stressor to your body but that goldilocks hormesis and this leads the um, increase in parasympathetic activity once the body adapts to this and that promotes relaxation and resilience that's just tip of the iceberg if you will excuse so, the pun so if if we want to we get in the shower and and we splash cold water where so where the vagus nerve starts is it's a called a cranial nerve so it's in the the brain uh, at the base of the brain it sort of starts uh, in the neck in the in the biggest exposures where you'd imagine feeling your pulse so right next to your sternocleidomastoid muscles which are on either side of the you know keep your head up um so you, you feel your that's where the vagus nerve is where you in, in the neck in the pulse. neck area in the neck yep and, yep. It, and it travels all the way the exposed parts anyways down the chest you know basically between um the, the the chest muscles so that's where you want the cold water to hit um and it's an immediate short-lived stressor by the body and so you're going to have this oh geez that's uncomfortable experience and it's not the time that you're under stress that's important it's the way that elastic snaps back 
and how quickly. So the tonification, if you will, in some of these exercises and implementations of natural interventions that's ultimately going to tone the vagus nerve that's going to have you more resilient to stress and therefore mm. lower anxiety is about that snapback training the body so that under those stressors the rebound you getting out of that cold shower you stopping the stressor how quickly you snap back is training your vagus nerve for that next stressor does that make okay. sense it, it makes sense so i'm gonna have a regular shower i'm not gonna have a cold shower i'm gonna have my regular shower yeah but at the end of the shower i'm gonna splash i'm gonna turn it as cold as i can stand it yep and then basically look up into the shower and have cold water splash on my face and my and chest neck. for how for how and your neck for how long a minute a minute minute and then you can even uh, turn it back to warm to to warm back up and then again back to cold if you do that for two cycles a lot of the research says that's even more adaptive and guess what's going to happen that second round you can even go for third or fourth if you like but that second round that cold exposure is going to feel less shocking that's because you've just adapted one cycle into that stressor and the more you do this the more you're working out or exercising if you will your vagal tone under ex exposed stressors by the way exercise counts too right so regular exercise acts as a mild stressor that improves heart rate variability and that's a marker of vagal tone by the way if anyone wants to test their sort of vagal tone inexpensively there's free apps on your phone uh, if you if you own an apple watch for example it, it'll look at this heart rate variability is a marker a uh, biomarker of vagal tone so physical activity strengthens the body's stress response systems enhancing overall uh, health and well-being and vagus nerve function we know this too little exercise you know not going to do anything too much is is a bad stressor in and of itself and, and kev you've heard of dietary restrictions everyone's jumping on the bandwagon mm -hmm. for intermittent fasting well guess what turns out practices like that or even some caloric restriction exerts mild stress to the body and it triggers this you know in the vagus nerve very important in this triggering uh, cellular uh, systemic adaptation um in, in indirectly but pretty uh, correlation to the vagus nerve function uh, by improving metabolic health and and this stress resilience same thing with heat heat exposure so we talk about cold but saunas yeah, re regular use of a sauna and this does something more i'll talk real quickly about not only does it enhance vagus uh, tone by enhancing the parasympathetic activity um, this process uh, you know, involves this um, stressor, as I mentioned, ultimately strengthening this regulatory capacity to deal with heat, but particularly when you exit that incredibly hot environment and you calm, you know, the, the, the vagus nerve realizes you survived it, that's a signal to the brain, hey, I can do that, I can handle that. And, and there's something else that happens that's important for stress, anxiety, and depression. In very, it doesn't happen in cold, but it happens in hot. In very hot environments, you're boosting something called BDNF or brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It's kind of like fertilizer to the soil in the brain. It helps grow new brain nerve uh, fires, uh, nerve, nerve signals, and helps grow new nerve connections that enhance mood. Hmm. All right. So you got to be taking that cold shower. You, and from what I heard too, you can you can actually turn it the other way and make it as, as hot as you can stand it too. I wouldn't do that in the shower. I think saunas are best proven. Saunas are best for that. Burn your okay. skin. Yeah, I would say saunas. If you have access yeah. to a sauna, uh, it would just be heating up in a sauna environment for you know twenty minutes. This is where the science sits around increasing uh, vagal tone and BDNF. Yeah. There's also, by the way, you know, 
the diet is one thing when you sort of do that intermittent fasting, but dietary choices like r foods rich in tryptophan, pumpkin seeds happens to be one. Uh, there's many out there, you can Google search this, but maintaining healthy weight, dietary restrictions, reducing sugar intake, uh, incorporating probiotics, because by the way, the brain-gut connection is, is controlled by the vagus nerve. All this can positively influence vagal tone and function. And then there's this whole bunch of gizmos out there. Um, there's something called vagus nerve stimulation, uh, VNS. Have you heard of this? There's, there's no, a, no. Oh, commercially available vagal nerve stimulation devices. So this involves a non-invasive little device that sits in your hand. You, you basically send these special electrical impulses right there at the neck to your vagus nerve, showing promise actually in, in alleviating anxiety, uh, depression. There's there's implants that already exist oh. in the medical world. Uh, so you know, I, I, yeah. I had no idea. So, you know, while you're talking there, it's on Amazon. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Some of them are FDA approved. Medically, yeah. yeah devices and that they, are, you know. Yeah. And they go, I mean, 500 bucks for one of them. There's an ear clip for $7. There's a whole, but like $49. So I had no idea. So maybe going to Amazon and just looking up Vegas, V-A-G-U-S, yep. Vegas nerve stimulator. That's amazing. Yeah, so but make sure you're looking for something that's a class two medical device, right? You know, the, mm -hmm. so the, the, it's a bit of a wild west out there when it comes to these devices. But clinical studies have found the VNS stimulators to be effective in improving uh, treatment resistant depression over time. Um, wow. significant portion proportion of patients experiencing improvement after three or four months of this regular and by the way, this is different than the surgical implants for epilepsy because that exists. Um, but, but this is a very useful little tool and it helps a lot of individuals and it's, you know, painless and, you know, it looks like it's also boosting this BDNF factor mm -hmm. I was telling you about from saunas. There's also, you know, a lot of little known facts I think people don't appreciate about the vagus nerve besides its importance in helping regulate the sympathetic nervous system and improving mood and anxiety. There is, um, an influence on inflammation. The vagus nerve plays a real crucial role in controlling inflammation. That might be the underpinning of a lot of people's mm -hmm. anxiety and depression. So by controlling inflammation, medical buzz term of the day for a very good reason. If we control inflammation in the body, we can help to manage uh, you know, some of the, the, the woes that go with that. Um, and even blood sugar regulation. Recent research suggests that vagus uh, nerve tone plays a role in regulating blood sugar. By so for diabetics? Yeah, for in influencing insulin secretion and in glucose metabolism. So this connection opens up this whole hmm. new world of understanding, you know, the metabolic conditions around uh, diabetes type 2. All right. Um, Bryce, we are definitely going to have you back for a full episode. There is so much, and this is what I love, there's so much about our human body in which we can heal ourselves. And uh, that's really where you, you, you shine. So I'm going to have you back. I appreciate it. And I, uh, I wish everyone out there the best in health and wellness. This episode's topic on the Mental Health Podcast, Mental Health Hacks, tips and tricks that are neither medicine or therapy, proving that we all possess the inner ability to heal ourselves. Sometimes all it takes is to access our ready supply of endorphins and serotonin. Julie Tom is uh, so much more than a personal trainer. She is one of the best when it comes to movement, movement that heals. I actually for years attempted to convince me that exercise was fun. I think you failed in that. <laughs> Possibly. Was I, was I the worst client you ever had? No, no, I can't, no. 
I can't say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe top five, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, you know, you keep, they keep saying, hey, exercise is going to release your endorphins. No, it does not. Not with me. Really? You think so? Uh, well, okay. You're going to argue with me. I know. I know. We spent so much time arguing, my friends. We, we really did. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Um, what are endorphins and serotonin? In simple terms, they are happy hormones. They are things, uh, it's, it's a hormone that gets released into your body and actually helps you feel happy. And when it comes to exercise uh, and movement, all kidding aside, this does help release those endorphins that we desperately want. Absolutely. Among among a, a bajillion other things as well. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, exercise and movement is one of those uh, healthier coping mechanisms to help you release some happy hormones for sure. And, and the ultimate goal here is to get people to feel better, if possible, without medication. And you're going to talk to us about the power of hands. Yes. Yes. So our hands actually have their own ecosystem in terms of when it comes to emotions. Um, so it, it, it lends a lot, this information lends a lot to uh, Eastern medicine and uh, understanding uh, meridians, but it doesn't really matter what you know, what you, what I want you to do is actually feel the difference and your hands are how we connect to the world. And so um, when we are stuck in a fight or flight response or when we're stuck in a depressed dorsal um, state, meaning we're shut down, we're numb to the world, or you're feeling anxiety, your hands are actually going to try to protect you. And so a quick way for you to just assess is I want to just take your fingernail bed and all you're going to do is you're going to kind of rotate each finger and just kind of twist each finger. I call it a myofascial twist. So you just twist each finger and just notice which finger doesn't feel like it moves as well okay so then so all you mean, you're, so i'm grabbing my finger each finger by the fingernail yeah bed? just uh, the if, fingernail if bed yep just take the tip of your finger and just twist it and just feel feel how each finger kind of twists and one of them one or two might not twist as well as the others okay that's all now, you're gonna, i i gotta tell you i'm feeling like I, i'm guessing it's arthritis in my in my thumb haha uh-huh, yeah sure Maybe. Why do you say aha? Um, because arthritis is uh, develops because of a lack of movement. And so what happens is that when we are um, bombarded with emotions every single day and we don't deal with them or don't hang out with them or bring awareness to them, what that does is it creates a congestion or it creates this arthritic, we'll call it, um, blockage. And so what we want to do is it could be just arthritis, but it could also be, um, so the thumb particularly is the worry. It's linked to the stomach and spleen uh, meridian. But if you are someone that worries a lot, that thumb is probably mm-hmm. carrying a lot of that worry and you haven't been able to release really? it. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. each finger. So if you want me to go through each finger. Yeah. So the thumb yeah. is worry. Um, stomach and spleen, is the, it carries the emotions of worry. The index finger is fear. Uh, your your middle finger is anger. <laughs> hence the driving, <laughs> hence the driving finger. So that goes along well. Um, your ring finger is sadness, and your pinky is nervousness. Okay. So when I'm twirling these fingers around now, what am I feeling for? Uh, lack of movement. 
just stickiness, okay. stiffness, uh, you know, like you're just going to see. And then it, there might be a difference between mm. your right and your left hand. So what we want to do is that whatever finger is not moving as well, what we're going to do is just going to like take your other hand. So let's say it's my left middle finger, for example. I'm yeah. going to take my right hand and I'm going to twist it whichever direction is not moving as well. So either twist it away or twist it toward. And I'm just going to hold it there. And all we're going to do is go ahead and take a deep breath in through the nose. As you twist and exhale long. So there are specific sounds for each finger. This particular sound is a shh sound. So again, mm -hmm. if you want to do it, you can make whatever sound you want. I'm like, don't get caught up on that. But for anger particularly, it's shh. So again, we do it three times, one for yin, one for yang, and one for you. So just keep twisting mm -hmm. and yeah. let it out. And then do it one more time and then recheck your finger and see. You actually might have let go already or maybe not. Just keep going. Yeah. The middle and, finger is an interesting one. Why? Because we hold a lot of anger <laughs> and we're not allowed okay. to show it. And uh, what can happen is so for some of you that if you actually try to like, like and then you try to bend your finger and it actually gets stickier or hurts, that just shows that we're like, okay, we got some anger we got to bring to the, to the surface. We're bubbling to the surface. So just keep going with it. Just keep breathing. And we want the longer exhale to be able to get into that parasympathetic response to allow you to release it. And this, this is essentially a stretch. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're yeah. stretching your hands. Absolutely. It's fa it's a it's a fantastic because you, oh, again, your hands are the way you communicate with the world. And it's it's how when we have arthritis in our hands, or when we have any kind of pain in our hands or tension in our hands, it's going to impact the rest of our body. Because uh, it's like imagine if you walked around with gloves on all day, what's that going to do to your how your sensory input? What's that going to do to your nervous system? You're not going to necessarily know like, texture, heat, all these type of, type of things, the, we need these things to help us give us input, to help us feel safer in our bodies. And the hands are a fantastic way for you to just start checking in with, how am I feeling today? How often would you do this? Every day. Every day? Every day. Check in with yourself. Because if you have stickiness in any of your fingers, all, all you have to do is twist it and breathe, and then you get to release that emotion, and it helps you connect with the world. It helps you can because you've connected with yourself when you took that deep inhale in and exhale out. That's, the, I find, the problem is that many of us don't know how to feel safe in our bodies and don't necessarily know how to... Um, find space for us to just and be with us so when you're doing this you're just connecting with you you're just saying hey like first rule of healing club and what I, I tell with my clients first rule of healing club is awareness is really like it's mm. you know like first rule of fight club we don't talk about fight club first rule of healing club we talk about mm. it but in order for you to talk about it you have to have awareness so if you don't even have the awareness of what emotions I might be holding in my body or the stiffness in my body well let's just start with simple with the hands and you know, forget about the big moves. These are simple things you can do. Nobody has to know that you're doing it. Just before uh, I, I let you go, I want to talk about something that I know we've had many conversations on in the past, and that is grounding. Yes. Um, we spend our days uh, and, and years doing everything we can to insulate ourselves from the earth, from, from, from energy, from where we came from. Right. You know, we have cement floors, we have shoes, we have socks, we have sidewalks. We don't we don't touch the ground. Even when we go in, in some nature walks, they've put down 
you know, stones so that we don't have to touch the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about grounding and its important when it com- importance when it comes to mental health. What is it? Grounding is really about connection. And so you can look at grounding as earthing, like what you were just describing, like going into nature and connecting with the earth. But really, it's about connection. Like we are energetic beings. And if you actually look at like in terms of the energy of the world, you know, the the waves are all dictated by the moon and the sun cycles. We are just like the waves. And so things come and go. And the idea is that you want to be able to find ways for you to ground yourself to connect to you. And in order for you to do that, it's scary because a lot of us don't know how to do that. And so what we do is we actually look to mother nature and you look at, you can use different ways for you to bring grounding into you, like grounding mats or, um, If you're like, I'm not going to go walk barefoot in the grass, there's no way. (laughs) There's other ways for you to ground, but grounding really means connection. And I think this is, at the end of the day, many of us struggle with finding connection to ourselves and finding connection to others. And But when you look at a baby, what does the baby want first thing when it comes out of the womb? It wants skin-to-skin connection. And there's tons and tons of research that shows these people that didn't have that connection, they have you know, dis-ease in their body and have all these issues. So grounding is really about how to establish connection to yourself first and foremost. Um, So that's why I like doing the hand exercise is a great way for you to ground yourself because it's bringing you into the moment. So grounding is about being in the moment, connecting to you, what am I feeling, and and just bringing awareness to it. Every emotion is is fantastic. It's there. It's to give you information. It's there to keep you safe. So that's why I don't talk about like, positive and negative emotions, they're all welcome because they're there to keep you safe. So it's, you know, when we talk about anxiety, a lot of people are afraid of it and they're always trying to push it away. That anxiety is just keeping you safe. So what we need to do is figure out what can I do to help me feel safe in this moment? And that is what your grounding is essentially. And it's important to remember as well that, I mean, through exercise, you're not going to be the rock in a day or a week or even a month so it's the same thing with this it's 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 continuing to to give this self-therapy over and over uh until it actually takes effect and work it's not going to happen tomorrow no it's like the brain needs consistency the number well the brain needs two things one it needs oxygen and two it needs predictability so if you're not doing you know these things to check in on yourself every day it's like oh well, I'm not sure. So it creates a threat. So that's why you want to do little, I call them movement snacks. So you do little movement snacks every single day to help you connect with you and you will start to see a change. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be these big, you know, half hour lengthy hour sessions. These little, you know, two minute check-ins are uh, how we start shifting our mental health. All right, Julie Tom, uh, fitomize.ca if you want to check out her website. Also, check out her podcast, Connecting with the Toms, T-H-O-M-S, that you do with your dad. And um, interestingly uh, enough, you just finished an episode on trying to get off those mental health medications. And, and again, we don't, we don't want to encourage people. Yeah, I mean, mental health medications, you can't quit cold turkey. No. Uh, in some cases, you are going to need them for the rest of your life. But in a lot of cases, there's things you can do. And you just discussed that in your latest podcast. Yes. Yeah. Happy to share. Yeah. So all of our podcasts are all really about proactive uh, actions that you can take to, you know, live optimally. So you don't have to, you take your own power back is really what we're trying to offer you. All right, Julie, we're going to have you back on for a full episode, but thank you for this. Yeah. Thank you. 
We know that we are what we eat. Nutritious foods, good fats, cutting down on sugar all go a long way to helping our immune system and build muscle. But the same can be said about our mental health as well. The fuel we put into our bodies can have an almost instant impact on our mood. Joy McCarthy is a certified holistic nutritionist, a best-selling author, and the host of the Joyous Health Podcast. Well, hello, Joy. It's so nice to talk to you again. Hello. Thanks for having me. As I said, you are what you eat, and, and this is true for everything. I mean, we know that eating properly can can help uh, stave off uh, colds and flus and uh, build our immune system. But we don't give much thought to eating and nutrition and supplements when it comes to our mental health. Mm -hmm. why, why do you think that is? I guess I think for some people, they're just not making the connection how food can impact mood, both in the short term and in the long term. And I think, you know, with with podcasts like yours and, and getting the message out there and educating people, when people have that information, it empowers them and then they can make positive change. So, you know, the food we eat is the raw materials for our body to make neurotransmitters, um, to keep us feel calm and balanced, to support our gut health. Our gut health, our gut is our second brain. So I think it's just getting, I think it's just the knowledge, getting the knowledge out there. We're not taught this in school, right? No. We're not taught, hey, maybe have this for lunch <laughs> and you'll have better attention span and feel better in the afternoon. Is there something I could have for lunch that'll give me better attention span? Yes, absolutely. I'd say the most important thing for like attention span and for preventing things like anxiety and just feeling sort of angsty is making sure that you have a blood sugar balancing meal, fat and protein. Always make sure you have healthy fats and protein because they take longer to digest. You don't have that like if you just eat like a bowl of white pasta with some marinara sauce and you have no protein and healthy fat in there, what's going to happen is that pasta breaks down very, the glucose breaks down very quickly and spikes your blood sugar. Uh -huh. And that's what can make you feel irritated, anxious, just, you know, wrangly, <laughs> angsty. It just makes you feel off. Uh, so, and then what can happen is if you over secrete insulin and it brings your blood sugar down too low, which often happens if you have, you know, dysregulated blood sugar metabolism, then that's when you feel tired and cranky. But it's, it's really so easy just to like, you know, it's just all about like little hacks. Like if you're having, if you're having a vegetable soup, what is some protein you could have with that? Could you have like a hard boiled egg? Could you add some hemp hearts to that? You know, there's so many little things you can do to really help balance your blood sugar. So what should I pack for lunch for me? And what should I pack for lunch for my kids? Yeah. So, well, let me just think off the top of my head. Like I make, I have an eight year old. And so I, I eat similar things to what she eats. So today she's having, she's having pasta, but the pasta I made for her is actually like a high protein pasta. It has lentils and chickpeas in it. I think it's actually like 10 grams of protein per serving. And I also, we had roast chicken last night. Roast chicken's so delicious because it's so juicy and yummy. Chicken's gross when it's like overcooked and dry, right? But such oh, a great yeah. source of protein. So just chopped up some chicken and mixed that in with like a pesto. This is so delicious. So you're getting healthy fats from the pesto. You're getting that protein. But if that's like too extravagant, <laughs> I'm a big fan, especially this time of year of making soup. 
Yeah. I love making soups. So depending what kind of soup you're making, I when I was a kid, my mom would always make like chicken noodle soup or like just like a noodle soup with like a broth and then drop an egg in it. Egg drop soup. Do you remember that as yes, a kid? I yeah. feel like that's like an 80s thing. Egg <laughs> drop soup. Well, first of all, I don't know if you're all, a kid in the 80s. I wasn't a kid in the 80s, Joy. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I thought we were sort of close in age. Maybe not. <laughs> well, okay. We're, we'll have that discussion another time, perhaps. Yeah, I'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this hangry, let's talk about being hangry. And and, and, and it's, oh, yeah. if people aren't familiar with the word, and I think that it, it's become such a common phrase now. It's that feeling you get when you, when you are hungry and you're just so irritable at the same time. Yes. What's yes. happening? Yeah, we've all, yeah. Well, that's often just due to low blood sugar and our body is smart, right? It's, it's getting angry because it's like, give me food. So you wanna try and avoid getting to that point because when you get to that point, the body's just in like survival mode and like wants to eat all the carbs and all the sugar. So you really want to avoid that. Now, unless you're fasting, like there's of course so many benefits to fasting, especially for like mental health, for blood sugar, but it's not for everybody. So if you're not fasting and you're experiencing that hangry feeling, then you need to avoid that and make sure that you know you can you want you know you've had a well-balanced meal if you can go at least four hours without eating like snacking every two hours is not a good idea you know you really want to that means you're not eating maybe you're having like a bowl of grain cereal with skim milk for breakfast which is like the worst breakfast you know doesn't provide anything to sustain you or give you like good energy for the day so, you know, like I'm just such a big fan of eggs because eggs are a great source of choline too. Mm -hmm. And choline helps with memory and mood uh, and also protein. Like one egg is six and a half grams of protein. And if, you know, it's uh, there's like healthy fats. I also really love like smoked salmon. I buy this from my like my local fish monger. And if I just want like a quick and easy um, lunch, I'll just like get some, you know, some some grainy type toast that's not like white flour toast. And I do like maybe a little bit of cashew cheese or just regular cheese and some salmon, some smoked salmon. And it's just so delicious. And you're getting all those omega-3s. Omega-3s are so important so um, for brain health. So when I get that that hangry feeling, quite often I'm going to grab something like an O'Henry or a Snickers. I, you know, I, that probably not the best. Okay, choice. so some walnuts instead. Okay. And if that's not okay, so if you're like you, the O'Henry and the Snickers is your thing, then maybe you have, um, I, and walnuts is not going to. That doesn't sound like okay. How does that replace a no Henry <laughs> bar? It doesn't. I get it. So like, have some walnuts with a bit of dark chocolate. Or like make, I mean, if you, I, I get it's all about like super easy, but there's so many recipes. Like you could just melt down some dark chocolate and make like a little chocolate bark, sprinkle some pumpkin seeds in it, some cranberries, some walnuts, stick it in the freezer. Like the easiest thing to make, anyone can do that. It takes five minutes. And then when you have that, like, oh, I want like something like, I want a treat. And if your go-to is always the Snickers, well, that's like a nice treat. And you don't feel like you're, you never want to feel like you're depriving yourself because then you're just going to, then you end up going down the road of like binging and just like eating too much overall. So like treat yourself. I want you to pick one thing, and I I, I didn't warn you about this, 
so <laughs> so so I'm just gonna hit you with it. I want you to pick the magic bullet of mental health food uh, that's good for good mental health and also a good biohack for those times when you really need that pick me up. What would you pick um, as the one food? I'm I'm gonna ask you. Uh, because I always hear so so many amazing things about it. And it's the simplest thing in the world is the apple. Is that it? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say an apple. No? Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you're going to say an apple, I would say add some protein to that. Slather that with some almond butter or peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Then you have a superfood power snack. If you're just eating an apple, you know, apples are great, but they're not the most blood sugar balancing snack. It's better than apple juice. So if someone is drinking apple juice or some sort of pop or juice, yes, an apple is way better. But if you already are doing the apple, then you add some protein and fat to that. So it's all, often it's about like having awareness for where you're at. Where are you right now? Are you drinking pop right now? Okay, well then an apple is good. So, you know, sometimes going from drinking pop to an apple with almond butter may feel like too far of a step, but baby, it's all about like baby steps. Mm-hmm. So yeah, an apple's great, but also adding some protein to that is even better. Okay, I put words in your mouth there. Uh, what's Pumpkin what? seeds though. Pumpkin when you seeds. asked me that question, yeah. Okay. yeah, that's like the first thing that came to my mind was pumpkin seeds because they're a good source of zinc, which is so important for brain health. A source of vitamin E um, really helps prevent oxidative stress. Um, damage to the cells basically when you're stressed out this creates um, oxidative stress stress free radical damage pumpkin seeds are a great little snack and you can make your own I love making like my own little trail mix I put like some chocolate chips in there some pumpkin seeds some almonds sprinkle it with cinnamon it's a nice like little power snack Quick and easy. I love it. All right. Joy, we definitely have to have a full podcast with you. We need to talk about inflammation. We need to talk about... Yes. Um, we need to talk about... Um, uh, what else? Uh, the vitamins. And so many things. Supplements. I also want to get into something called that you that you put me onto is micronutrients. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about that. So you're going to come back, I hope. Yeah, I would love to. I'd love to talk about medicinal mushrooms too, like lion's mane. Oh, interesting. And, and I, I know a lot of people are talking about medicinal mushrooms. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, joyous health is the term you need to remember. Uh, podcasts and uh, websites and Instagram. Tell me about that. Yeah. So it's J-O-Y-O-U-S health. And I love to share. I have tons of free recipes, free insp- free information to inspire you and empower you to live a healthy and a happy life. All right. Very joyous to talk to you, Joy. You too. Thank you. I want to thank all of my guests. I promise to have each one back and length. I want to thank all of my guests and I promise to have each one back for longer segments on how to speak about their specialties and how each plays a part in your mental health. I'm Kevin Frankish from Ontario Shore Center for Mental Health Sciences. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Feel free to send me an email as well. Until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Mental Health Podcast. 
If you have any thoughts about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, please send me an email at thementalhealthpodcast at ontarioshores.ca. Please don't be alone. Reach out for professional help. For more resources and advice, check out our website, ontarioshores.ca. The Mental Health Podcast is a production of Ontario Shores Centre for Mental Health Sciences. I'm Kevin Frankish. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Thank you.